Welcome to the program, Virginia, your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, coming at you live here with a special, a very special Easter uh, program as we celebrate Resurrection Sunday uh, coming up tomorrow. Uh, Welcome to the program, folks. And uh, I know we normally come on with who let the dogs out and I go on about how I'm the big dog. But (laughs) yeah. Yeah, you know, that works uh, most Saturdays. That doesn't work quite so much uh, today. Okay, so, you know, I can't be the big dog every day. We all have, uh, we who are Christians, we have a big brother. And uh, although I wonder, is it okay to call our big brother Jesus the big dog? (laughs) Well, we'll get into the program. We'll figure that out. But I would like to say welcome for any of you out there that are new uh, to the program. This is the really real deal, and I am your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig. Welcome to the program. We want to thank you for joining us. And uh, we have what uh, we prayerfully is a, is a really, really good program today. Uh, well, actually, we hope that they're all good. We've been doing uh, a, a series throughout the Lent season uh, ever since Ash Wednesday. And uh, we've been talking about uh, Lent and Easter and resurrection and and what it all means. And, uh, you know, we had a similar uh, series of programs during the Christmas season uh, where we just had all this really, really uh, beautiful, uh, beautiful Christmas music. We didn't have any Santa Claus music. We had Christmas music, and uh, we just tried to be very reverent uh, throughout that uh, entire season. I toned the politics down just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, Sarah, my board operator over here, is laughing because was it was it a little bit, Sarah? <laughs> I toned it down. Okay, we actually, I think we probably toned it down, maybe. Maybe more than one notch, maybe two or three notches. We toned it down a little bit, and uh, you know, it's just um, when you when we're in these holy seasons, it's it's just it's hard to get too too riled up. And one of the things I remember saying repeatedly during the Christmas season 
was that, uh, you know, I, I talked about the little baby Jesus and what would we, you know, we all love the baby Jesus, but what about the grown man Jesus as, 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 the, as the child grew? You know, as a matter of fact, my wife and I watched uh, a movie last night uh, that was uh, called The Young Messiah, uh, and it was about uh, a year in the life of Jesus as they left Egypt and went back, uh, went back home and, uh, really good movie. We've been watching a lot of really good Christian movies, uh, here lately. And, uh, and actually speaking of my wonderful darling wife, she's not here in the studio, uh, with us today. Uh, she's, she's been a, a little bit under the weather and I really do need to give a really, really huge, uh, shout out and thank you to so we had I, I kid you not just on Facebook alone folks we had close to 200 prayer warriors praying for my wife's recovery right along with me as I was fervently praying I had I was just blessed with people all over the United States uh, adding their prayers to, to my prayer and uh, the prayers of, of our family and so we just uh, you know we were just blessed. Uh, Mrs. Hatchett was, uh, you know, really, really healed and is doing quite well. And so I'm just happy to report that. And uh, so uh, Maximus and I, we are holding the fort down here, the Hatchet Hound. Uh, the Hatchet Hound Maximus is right up here under the table, under my feet, uh, as I do the program. And uh, I really want to give a very, very special uh, shout out. The, uh, the nurses at Parham Doctors Hospital, I'm telling you folks, they could not have been better. I mean, Monica, Cindy, Tracy, Tia, <laughs> I hope I didn't miss anyone. <laughs> they, I mean, they are just wonderful. They, they are just wonderful. And uh, I'm telling you, one of them I've started uh, imagining, oh, wow, wouldn't she make a nice daughter-in-law if, you know, if only my son lived here in Richmond? <laughs> and I was like, how can I get him to come back home? <laughs> they just, they were just, and it's not just the nurses. I mean, when the doctor came in and he had white hair, and I said, oh, thank God, I have a doctor with white hair. <laughs> and he just laughed. <laughs> but um, a great, uh, a, a great, great uh, doctor, a heart doctor, and, uh, but in, in the entire uh, staff. So, uh, and, you know, we have several hospitals near us that we could have chosen from, St. Mary's, uh, Parham Doctors Hospital, Henrico Doctors Hospital, and um, they had uh, recently done shoulder surgery on my mother at, at Parham Doctors Hospital, and, and everything went so well there, so we decided to go there. But anyway, I just wanted to say thank you and just want to express uh, our sincere thanks, uh, not only from your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, but from Mrs. Hatchet as well. And uh, now, is that Maximus I feel? Uh, Maximus wants me to say he thanks you too. <laughs> the hatchet hound. <laughs> well, anyway, we, um, we're going to go, we're going to take our first break of the day. As, and uh, we do have a fantastic guest. And, and again, in the spirit of this uh, very special holy season, holy week, uh, culminating with, um, you know, Resurrection Sunday, or actually it's Monday. Uh, but we're, we're having uh, sunrise services at Fairmount Christian 
church tomorrow, if if your church is not having an actual sunrise service, at we ours is at 6.30, okay, and Fairmount is on Creighton Road uh, just west of the 295 exit, all right, just barely on the um, Hanover side of the Chickahominy River. Uh, Fairmount Christian Church right there, uh, 6.30, uh, I'll be there. We certainly would love to have uh, some of you uh, join us, even if you have your regular church services at 11 o'clock. Uh, not every church does uh, a sunrise service, so well, we'll we'll be doing that. So hopefully we'll see you there. And David Brog is our guest, and he's written a fantastic book, and we're going to unpack that book, and then maybe in our second hour we'll get back uh, a little bit more and, and continue uh, my comments and, and maybe take your phone calls in the second hour also to talk a little bit more about uh, really what it means when the, uh, as we celebrated Christmas and we had so much uh, joy at uh, the birth of, of Christ who is born somewhere every day is born in someone's heart. But if Easter is not real, Christmas was not real. So this Easter season, this is really the holy holiday that we should all be aware of and maybe give a little more thought to. And so I know we have many, many, many uh, Christians in our audience uh, that are unaffiliated because, you know, things have not gone as one would have them go. And, uh, you know, that's something I've been dealing with for the entire nine years I've been on the air. I have people, as a matter of fact, I think last week someone called up here real angry. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I, and I, you know, as a matter of fact, my wife and I, we prayed for that gentleman uh, after the program. I, I hope that gentleman is listening. He sounded like an elder, and he, he was really, really upset at, you know, some of the goings-on in this country. And, he, and his exact words were, God will not be mocked. And uh, I pray that that gentleman is listening today and maybe in our second hour when we open up the phone lines, uh, maybe he'll call in with a little bit calmer demeanor. <laughs> okay, we're going to take our first break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to have our very special guest, David Brog. The book that he's written is Reclaiming Israel's History, Roots, Rights, and the Struggle for Peace. A man... And his microphone, Brother Craig. And I will tell the whole world about you. You crawl, by the light, the beauty of the cross. Hello, Virginia. Brother Craig here with a little message about giving out of the abundance that God has blessed you with. If this great nation is going to be saved, then we in the Christian Conservative Constitutional Coalition have to be in the vanguard. There are so many brave and God-fearing groups and individuals engaged in the battle of this rendezvous with destiny. There are social welfare groups like the Salvation Army at SalvationArmyUSA.org. 
Military groups like Special Operations Wounded Warriors at SOWWCharity.com. Christian groups like the Virginia Christian Alliance at VAChristian.org and SaltAndLightCouncil.org. And there's also churches and others, many, many very worthy groups out here doing the Lord's work. So we support not only our own group, thefirstamendmentinc.com, which keeps us on the air, but the main thing for you, the listener, is to give. Give somewhere, give generously, and give often. And give in the measure that God has given to you. Thank you, Virginia, and God bless you. Rose at every sound Half in hopeless sorrow Half in fear the day Would find the soldiers breaking through To drag us all away Just before the sunrise I heard something at the wall The gate began to rattle A voice began to call Hurried to the window and looked down into the street, expecting swords and torches and the sound of soldiers' feet. But there was no Welcome way. back to the program, Virginia. Your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, with a little bit of uh, the song, He Is Alive. And uh, that was a, I hope. Our good friend Larry is listening. Uh, Larry requested that song uh, last week. And uh, we want to say thank you to our fantastic guest, Mr. David Brock. And uh, uh, David is on the line with us. He's the uh, founding uh, director of uh, Christians United for Israel and uh, Harvard Law grad and uh, as well as a Princeton grad. And uh, we, we won't hold that against you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that, Brother Craig. Yeah, yeah, and uh, a fantastic book, I'm telling you. Now, I'm ashamed to say I didn't finish it yet, but I'm telling you, while the portion that I did read, I could not put it down. Riveting. I appreciate that, and i got to tell you, I've been doing some, some radio shows with the book release, and uh, you're way ahead of most radio hosts in that you read at least part of it. <laughs> Most of, them, most of them, you can tell, haven't even picked it up. So they, thank you, sir. Well, look, I, I get so many. I mean, I've been done probably 400 interviews over the years. Actually, yeah. I don't know how many. I, I would maybe more. So we get thousands of books. I, obviously, I can't read them all. Right. but So I, I go through them, and the ones that grab me, I tend to read. I'm telling you, yours grabbed me, all right? It, it really, and, and the thing about it is I think of myself as a fairly well-informed person, okay? And I learned so much, just, I'm telling you, just in the preface, the things that I learned. I mean, it's, it's astounding. I mean, you, this, is, this is great research, and it's, and it's just shameful that this stuff is not 
commonly known out here, and it and it takes watchmen on the wall like like you, and you know, hopefully, folks will think I'm a watchman on the wall too. But you know, it takes uh, people to to really. It's a lot of sacrifice that goes into the study, and uh, I just wanted to congratulate you. This this is excellent, and folks, you really need to get this book, uh, reclaiming Israel's history. Well, th- thank you very much, Brother Craig. I uh, uh, really appreciate that, and I'm humbled by that. Thank you for that. Yeah, well, no, thank you. Thank you. I mean, the um, you know, this, this thing with the Palestinians and the Israelis, I mean, this, this has been going on. And look, how often do we hear uh, a pre- president, I mean, I think ever since Jimmy Carter with, uh, you know, he had his uh, Camp David Accords and— um, you know, kind of a, a mild peace between Egypt and, uh, and and Israel. And, of course, he was assassinated afterwards. But, uh, you know, so people, every president says, oh, I have a peace plan. And it's, you know, some people think peace comes after conflict is over and there's a winner and a, and a loser. And, and then the loser accepts reality. What's wrong with that? You just put, you just put your finger on the fundamental problem here. Um, look, I wrote this book reclaiming Israel's history because, you know, you know as opposed to other countries, you, know, you don't you don't have a dedicated dedicated enemies going around and lying about the history of uh, Portugal. You, know, you don't have groups on campuses across the country dedicated to lying about the history of Switzerland. But we're living in a time when there are groups on college campuses and beyond across mm-hmm. the country dedicated to slandering the state of Israel. Yes. Um, this is both both radical Islam, which which doesn't much love Israel or America, mm-hmm. and and the radical left, mm-hmm. who, who is, insists on a narrative in which all of the evil in the world must be blamed on white Europeans, mm-hmm. and insists on fitting the, the 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 square peg of Israel into the round hole of their radical ideology. They insist that Israel is somehow a. a, a a colonial outpost of Europe in the Middle East, which it is very much not. Mm-hmm. So it was critical to go back and reclaim Israel's history and share the truth about Israel. Yeah. And what you mentioned earlier is true. It, there, this conflict has been driven from day one by the fact that one of the one of the parties to this conflict, the Arabs of Palestine, now called the Palestinians, has been determined to to destroy the other party to this conflict, the Jews of Palestine, now called the Israelis. Mm-hmm. And unless and until they accept that they're not going to be able to achieve that goal, unless they give up on that goal, they're not much interested in compromising. They're still interested uh, in destroying Israel. And, and we see, and, and I highlight this history in the book, five times the Israelis have offered the Palestinians a state of their own, mm-hmm. a Palestinian state living side by side in peace with Israel exactly what everyone thinks will solve the conflict. It won't. The problem is five times they've turned that offer down. Mm-hmm. And you realize until there's a change in leadership, until there's a change in philosophy, trying it for the sixth time probably isn't going to change much. Yeah, you're right, you're right. And see, and also the, uh, in, in, in one of the past deals that they rejected, they actually were, were offered more than what's on the table now because – uh, after they they got a little uh, leeway, uh, rather than act peaceful, which they say, "Oh, we want peace," they they shot rockets from that area into Israel. Well, yeah, you're talking about the withdrawal from Gaza in 2005, 
um, Israeli Prime Minister Ariel Sharon, you know, the uh, tough guy. They nicknamed him the bulldozer mm-hmm. because he built a lot of the, the controversial Israeli settlements in Judea and Samaria and the West Bank. He becomes Prime Minister of Israel. And he says, you know, that the temptation that you referenced, I want to make peace, was very strong. Mm-hmm. So he said, I'm going to pull out of part of the lands the Palestinians want for their own state. I'm going to pull out of Gaza. And I'm going to give it to the Palestinians. Let them turn Gaza into a Singapore in the Middle East. Let them take control and build the economy. And we'll start a virtuous cycle. He called it a down payment on peace. Mm-hmm. We'll start a virtuous cycle in which the Palestinians show they can rule themselves and peace uh, is furthered. Then we withdraw from further lands and they receive more lands and we achieve ultimately uh, this two-state deal. Problem is, as you point out, when Israel pulled every last citizen and soldier out of the Gaza Strip and gave it over to the Palestinians, rocket fire from Gaza into Israel didn't decrease. It increased, and it increased dramatically. Mm-hmm. And, and that's going to confuse people unless you understand that the, the people who rule the Palestinians, the people who rule Gaza, weren't happy with a down payment on peace. They're more interested in using any land they get to destroy Israel. Mm-hmm. You know, when you understand the radical leadership that controls the Palestinians, it makes more sense. The problem is so many people from the outside assume that the Palestinian leaders must be just like us. They must no. want peace. They yeah. must, want, must want coexistence. The history proves, uh, uh, tragically, that's not the case. Yeah, yeah, that that's really, it, it, and it boils down. Would you say it's, uh, you know, one of the things I, I and in my analysis of governments, I boil them down to two types, basically. <clears throat> those that believe our rights and freedoms are a gift from God, and those that believe uh, your rights and my rights are whatever the powerful people say they are. And Islam is the latter in spades, okay? And it's no different from uh, communism, socialism, fascism, uh, or even uh, elements in America that want uh, the government to run every aspect of our lives. And they believe that they have the right, and if, if you go to the all the way the extreme of Islam, they have the right to lie, rape, steal, kill, anyone that is not a muslim so where where is there there is no there is that's not even oil and vinegar at least you can shake that up until you pour it on your salad what do you do with that well it's it's what you what you, what you point out is, is critical to this conflict look i i know palestinians who want peace i know palestinians who, who want to live side by side with jews and like you pointed out earlier there have been Arab leaders who want peace. The problem is they turn up dead, mm-hmm. like Anwar Sadat. And we can go through the history of, 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 of the Arabs of Palestine. Every time an Arab leader achieved any prominence who said, hey, let's live in peace with the Jews, they got killed. Mm-hmm. And, and so you have, you know, the Palestinians are a relatively new people. Yeah, they now, even, now could, could I get you to hold on that yes, point sir. on new people? Because we're up against a hard break. So with your hole in that, that'd be a good starting point when we come back. Well, all right, folks, if you're just joining us, we have David Brog, author of Reclaiming Israel's History. We're going to take our, our bottom of the hour break. We will be right back. A man and his microphone. Brother Craig. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. 
Welcome back to the program, Virginia, your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, coming back at you live here on Virginia's Big Dog radio program, The Really Real Deal. And this is our final and our special uh, programs throughout the Lenten season. Folks are culminating here uh, a day before Resurrection Sunday. And uh, and I promise you we'll get back to the hard-hitting politics that you uh, you tend to like, okay? But uh, on this day, the big dog, uh, Brother Craig, has to play second, fend- second fiddle <laughs> to our big brother, uh, Jesus. And uh, we want to welcome back, if you're just joining us, we have David Brog with us. Uh, David has written a fantastic book, Reclaiming Israel's History, Roots, Rights, and the Struggle for Peace. And I'm telling you, folks, you, you need to get this book and... Uh, uh, and you young folks out there that only know uh, what your professors uh, give you, uh, you got to get this book. And, uh, and, and thank you for staying over. And, uh, you know, we were just talking about Palestine and the, uh, the, the, the term Palestinian. And, uh, you know, and I, and I find out that the word, you know, they claim to be Palestinians, but the word does not even appear in the Quran, which is 1,400 years old. Not once does the word appear in the Quran. No, not once, nor does the word Jerusalem appear in the Koran. Um, but um, the term became popular in the West. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the Romans, uh, uh, the Jews rebelled against Rome a couple times. Romans got tired of the rebellions. They not only uh, destroyed the temple, they not only exiled millions of Jews, they not only killed millions of Jews, um, but they said, we're, we're going we're gonna to try to sever the connection between the Jewish people and their land by changing the name of the country. Mm-hmm. The country was called Judea, mm-hmm. which kind of gives you an idea about who lived there. Right. You, might as, you might as well call it Jewland. Right. Uh, it was the land of the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. They, they severed the connection, they gave it a name, and, and, and out of spite, they, they took the name of Israel, the, the Jewish people's traditional enemies, the Philistines, mm-hmm. and called the land Philistina, which became Palestina, which became Palestine. Mm-hmm. Now, before, it, before we go further, how big, because, you know, is modern Israel is a little itty-bitty country, all right? Tell the audience how big Judea was. It's funny, people hear about Judea or Israel, they imagine it must be as big as the U.S. or, or at, least, uh, at least Texas. Uh, uh, Judea would have been the size of um, Connecticut. Um, the modern state of Israel is, is, is maybe, maybe uh, uh, comes close to the size of New Jersey. 
um, we're talking about a tiny strip of land mm-hmm. uh, that makes up a small, you know, uh, less than 1% of, of, of the entire Middle East that's ruled by Arabs and Muslims. Mm-hmm. It's a tiny speck uh, where the Jewish people is seeking the, the right of self-determination. But um, since they changed the name, uh, as you note, the, the Jews never used that name. They called it the Land of Israel, and the Arabs never used that name. They never saw Palestine as a distinct geographical entity. Mm-hmm. It was the West that used that name. So when Britain in World War I conquered it from the Ottoman Empire, they got a mandate from the League of Nations to rule it, and it was called the, the Mandate for Palestine, the British Mandate for Palestine. Mm-hmm. That's when the Arabs living there started slowly, gradually, to refer to themselves first as the Arabs of Palestine. They were Arabs first, part of this great Arab world. Mm-hmm. But the Arabs of Palestine. They've had three leaders since then in, in their brief history. All three of them dedicated to, to sort of this radical notion that the Jewish people have no connection to this land and no rights in this land, and it's okay to use violence against their civilians in an effort to take the land back from them. Mm-hmm. The first was a guy named Hajimin al-Husseini, the Mufti of Jerusalem, who uh, got so excited by the, the, the Holocaust, by the Nazi final solution. He said, this is great. We can kill the Jews in Europe before they're able to come back home to Israel. He actually flew to Berlin during World War II, met with Hitler, lived in Berlin, broadcast Nazi propaganda daily in Arabic on the radio, and helped Hitler raise divisions and battalions of Muslim soldiers from both Bosnia and Europe and North Africa, to fight uh, alongside the Nazis. So that was leader number one. Mm-hmm. Let's kill them in Europe before they can get back home. Mm-hmm. Eventually his power faded, and leader number two emerged, Yasser Arafat. That would be a name more, more of your listeners know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arafat, of course, was a pioneer of international terrorism. Uh, his, his, his contribution to world civilization was the uh, airplane hijacking, the bombing, the, the acts of terror. It, let's kill Israeli civilians. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's kill Israeli civilians in a way to, to discourage them and drive them from the land. Didn't work. Now the new guy, guy has been in power. He's in the 11th year of his four-year presidential term, Mahmoud Abbas. <laughs> Everyone thinks he's a moderate. He looks like a nice fella. What they don't know is that the Palestinian Authority he runs, by law, by legislation, gives rich financial rewards to any Palestinian who murders Israelis. If you're in an Israeli jail because you killed Israelis because you're a terrorist, you get an annual salary from the Palestinian Authority far better than anything you'd get through honest work. Mm -hmm. And the longer your sentence, the more Israelis you killed, the more your salary, the larger your salary. Mm -hmm. And if you die in your attack, which is often the goal in these suicide attacks, don't worry, your family gets the money. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know what you call that. I call that state sponsorship of terrorism. So uh, the more things change, the more they remain the same. And it's this, these three leaders, this history of rejectionism, this history of, of violence in, in the name of your political cause, killing, killing innocents, terrorism, uh, that's what's driving this conflict. Mm-hmm. Now, how, how, how much of um, the, the animus towards Jews would you think would be uh, in, in, the, uh, in the British naming it Palestine? I mean, these, these were not stupid people now, so... Uh, was this something intentional? Because in the West, through, there, are, there are people throughout the West right up to this very day that they have such a special animus uh, against Israel. And it's very similar to the animus that they have against American Christians. They, uh, Barack Obama once famously said that America is no longer a Christian nation. You know, I, I beg to differ. 
But um, and, and I think it boils back down to the difference between the two forms of government. And America and Israel are the only two nations whose founding is, the, these are nations founded on the principle of our rights come from God, not man, that there is an authority higher than the uh, prime minister or the president or the Congress. Yeah, I, I, I think what, what, you're, what you're laying out is, uh, has this deep, deep truth to it, brother. Um, and, and that is there is this revolt against the very foundation of our civilization. Um, we, United States and Israel are really twin pillars of a Judeo-Christian civilization that has brought un, 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 you know, unprecedented freedom, dignity, and, and prosperity yes. to its citizens. Mm-hmm. And yet now we see... To the whole world. Strange, to the whole world. Now we see the strange phenomenon where people who grew up in the luxury of this civilization attacking its, own, its very roots. We see our own children going off to colleges and universities and being taught to hate the very civilization that gave them the luxury of attending a four-year college mm-hmm. and, just, and just devoting yourself to higher learning for four years. This, this is not a we, common thing. We hope higher people. learning. A lot of them are dedicating themselves to four years of partying. That, that, well, with, you know, with a I, little I, bit I, of I, learning. A friend of, mine, Prager, <laughs> a friend of mine, Dennis Prager, put it very well. He said, I'd, I'd almost rather they drink beer and party than sit in classes and learn what's being taught today <laughs> in university. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're right. A lot of times that's, that's the, the lesser of two evils. <laughs> it's, it's unfortunate. It's tragically true. Yeah. And so when, when they attack Israel, they're not just a cha- attacking some foreign country. I think a lot, a lot of our friends, you know, a lot of conservatives think, okay, Israel's some foreign country. I don't need to worry about it. Now, when they're attacking Israel, they're attacking the root system yeah. of our of our, of our civilization and an outpost of our ideals, morality, and freedom yes. in a very dangerous neighborhood. And it starts with Israel. It never ends with Israel. America is always next. To those who hate yeah. Israel don't much love America. Even Iran calls uh, Israel little Satan, and they call America great Satan. I mean, you can't oh, make this stuff up. <laughs> you better believe it. You know, pe- people get that so wrong, Brother Craig. They think maybe the Iranians hate America because oh, they support Israel. no. They don't know a thing about this regime in Iranian history. They mm-hmm. have an obsession with America. Mm-hmm. They blame America for a coup in 1956 that, that displaced Mohammad Mossadegh and put the Shah of Iran in power. Every, every Iranian in power who suffered under the Shah blames America for that. When they seized power in 79, it was with a red-hot, blazing hate, a white-hot hate mm-hmm. of America. And they see Israel as an outpost of America in their neighborhood. It's, 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 it's exactly the opposite. Israel suffers mm-hmm. for being identified with America and American values. But you know what? Uh, if the shoe fits, wear it. Uh, yeah. Israel is representative of America and American values in our fundamental Judeo-Christian civilization. And I'll tell you what more. We have a lot of allies in the world who might suffer us, might let us defend them from our shared enemies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know that, that we have many allies in the world who actually defend us from our shared enemies. Israel's the only one I know of. Yeah. When they fight Hezbollah, they fight Hamas, they fight al-Qaeda, they fight ISIS. They're on the front lines defending us from our shared enemies. Frankly, I'm grateful they do so. Yeah, yeah, and there's a lot we learn from them because they have direct experience, uh, whereas, you know, with us, it's more uh, theoretical, strategic. With them, it's life and death, okay? So, yeah, every day. Uh, Now, how much of this is, you know, I I think a lot of it is just 
people want God off the throne and they want to be on the throne as, as in so many aspects of life. But how much is it is a violation of the 10th commandment? Thou shalt not envy uh, what thy brother has. And, you know, Jews are a very, very successful people. In America, they're 3% of the population and 35% of the Nobel Prize winners, okay? I mean, phenomenal. So how much is there an envy factor, and what is it about Jewish culture that produces? I mean, my thing is you should imitate successful people, not envy them. You you just passed the Israel test, Brother Craig. Uh, a, a, a great thinker, uh, Ronald Reagan's favorite economist, a man named George Gilder, mm-hmm. wrote a book called The Israel Test. And he says the way, exactly like you just phrased it, he says the way you respond to Israel is exactly the, what will be an indication of how you respond to success, how you respond to enterprise and entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and success and drive. If you, if you respond with hate and jealousy, you fail the Israel Test. If you respond by saying, let's admire that, let's duplicate that, you pass the Israel test. But What was his book, name again? I'm writing that down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're supposed to plug my book, but let me plug this book, because I think you'd love it. Uh, Gilder, G-I-L-D-E-R, George Gilder. He wrote a book about free markets and the economy that Ronald Reagan loved and, and, and made one of his bedrocks of his economic plan. Oh, Gilder oh, okay. wrote this book called The Israel Test, and that's exactly what he sets forth. Israel has been a stunningly successful country, much as the Jewish people have been surprisingly successful as individual people. The Jews went back to this wasteland. It was a wasteland when they returned, Palestine, Israel. And, and, and there was no resources there. The only resources they ever had was oil in the Sinai, but they gave back the Sinai to Egypt for peace. So they had mm-hmm. no resources. They've taken this wasteland and turned it into this high-tech startup nation, which is thriving in and, 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 and every, every aspect. There was not enough water in Israel. So Israel became water pioneers and has developed the technologies that can save the entire world from thirst if only the world will let them. And when any country in Africa that lets Israel in to revolutionize their agriculture, mm-hmm. they've got food, they've got water. So it's this amazing country of enterprise, innovation, making the desert bloom. It's a beautiful story and can be a model for the world and actually practically help save the world. If only the world will get over its hatred and envy and say, hey, come help us, come mm-hmm. teach us. Yeah, that, 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 that's strong, that's strong. And now... A lot of what you write is the how a lot of these lies, the reason that they're believed is because of this skill, and I'm paraphrasing here, but the skill of the liars. They actually exaggerate human frailties that you can find anywhere, in any people, in any nation, in any ethnic group, and they act like if you find this in anyone that's Jewish, then they say, oh, those Jews do X, Y, Z. If there is a, a Jewish communist, then those Jews are, are communists. If there's a Jewish capitalist, then any evil of anyone that does wrong in capitalism, oh, it's those Jews. And yeah. so break down for the audience, you know, how these, these, these lies are. They're, they're so pernicious and they're, they're just they're so successful, particularly against our young. Well, look, it's the world's oldest hatred, anti-Semitism, and this, this, this singling out of the Jewish people among the peoples of the earth for special blame. And as, as you pointed out, it's, 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 it's crazy. 
so you know, during, during the 20th century, when the real focus of the world was this debate over communism and capitalism, the communists who hated capitalism saw capitalism as some Jewish enterprise. There were Jewish capitalists, a small minority of Europe's capitalists. They saw capitalism as Jewish. It's, mm-hmm. it's the Jewish vice, the Jewish evil. At the very same time, anti-communists saw communism as the Jewish vice, the Jewish evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were Jewish communists. They were a small minority of Europe's communists. But in each case, what they hated most, they only saw the Jews involved in it right. and only made it a Jewish frailty. And what we're seeing today is the exact same thing, only not directed towards Jews as individual people, but directed towards the one and only Jewish state. Mm-hmm. We live in an era where free countries, democracies, are having to battle terror mostly Islamic terror. And those who need to appreciate and understand the need to fight terror will appreciate what Israel does, but those who are troubled by it, especially among the radical, uh, radical Islam and, and the left, they single out Israel's efforts to fight terror. They ignore every other country's. They mm-hmm. single out Israel's efforts to fight terror and place singular blame on the Jews. This is an Israeli crime fighting terror. This is an Israeli atrocity fighting terror. Uh, we also live in an age of nationalism, and especially now with the election of Donald Trump. People mm-hmm. are talking more and more about nationalism. But people who don't like nationalism, people who don't like the idea of a nation having an identity and a pride and, and wanting to protect its borders, they pick out Israel alone among the nations of the world, among the nationalists of the world, and see nationalism as a singularly Jewish crime, an Israeli crime. And so... Anti-Semitism persists, just the forms have changed, the topics have changed, but it's that Mm -hmm. same impulse. Something you don't like in the world, find a Jew who's involved in it and blame the Jews for it. Right, right, yeah. And see, and we we get a whole lot of that as Christians, as conservatives, as constitutionalists. I mean, we get that in spades, uh, but Israel has been getting it much, much longer uh, than 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 we have. Uh, as a matter of fact, the first uh, this week in history, I do a little series every week. This week in history, and I think in fifteen something. Uh, let let me look real quick. Uh, uh, it was uh, April twelfth, I believe. Uh, yeah, fifteen. Oh, it's in my notes, but it was the first Jewish ghetto was oh. was built. Okay, so th- you're talking a, a long time, folks. A very a very long time, and so we, you know, we who've been dealing with this uh, for a short period of time, we we need to kind of, you know, get over it and understand this is human nature; it's not going anywhere. And uh, but now you mentioned Trump. Yeah. Now let's let's talk about what Obama uh, laid on Israel, and that uh, Trump has inherited versus what Trump has to do. Because, I mean, Obama has literally given Iran uh, permission to nuke up. And, and, and everyone knows, I mean, these are not dumb people. Everyone knows that Iran calls Israel little Satan and America big Satan. And, and, the, and when they say we're going to wipe Israel off the map, they really, really mean it. Okay, It's not just hyperbole. They mean it. And yet Barack Hussein Obama... Uh, gives them a window within 10 years if, if now, if they hold to the agreement 10 years, and they're not holding to it. It's, it, 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 you know, we were talking, you were talking about this, sort of the biblical fundamentals before, brother. And to me, 
the greatest distinction we face today, and you can tell if someone's a conservative or a liberal right from this distinction, is do you believe there's such a thing as evil in the world? Mm -hmm. Conservatives believe it. The Bible teaches it. Liberals deny it. So if you, if you deny, and, and, and you know, I went, by the way, I went to law school with Barack Obama. We were in the same oh. class at Harvard Law. Did he show up for class? Well, I, <laughs> I, never, I never met him. You I never, never met, met him? him. People, but people talked about him. Like, people <laughs> talked about him, I just never How'd met that him. How'd that joker get a degree if he didn't show up for class? I've well, interviewed Wayne Allen Root several times, and Wayne declares that he has never seen the guy. <laughs> it was a big law school. It's, it's, it's possible. I uh, just know I never met him. The people, everyone talked to him. They said that one day, ooh, Barack, one day he's going to be a senator. <laughs> they, they underestimated him. Wow. But I know the environment in which he was educated. And Antonio's fundamental problem, he doesn't believe there's such a thing as evil in the world. And he said it himself, and he said it about Iran. He said, we all want the same things. We all want to raise our families in peace and dignity. Baloney. You know, at least, mm-hmm. at least you're supposed to be a multiculturalist, Barack Obama. You're supposed to believe in multiple cultures and respecting multiple cultures. Then at least have enough respect for the radical Islamic rulers of Iran to take them at their word. Yes. They don't want what we want. They mm-hmm. want something very different from what we want. They want to destroy us. They want to destroy Israel. And like you pointed out, they mean it. Yeah. And, the and Quran so, commands them to do these things, uh, to immigrate. I mean, the, we call them refugees. They are uh, they are called themselves holy warriors. It's just a f- different type of jihad, jihad by immigration. It's called the the Hajj or the Higra. I mean, that's the, it's it's written in the Quran to do this. He who immigrates for the sake of Allah is is blessed. Well, at least, you know, that's like at least take them at their word. And the guy, there is no more radical Islamic government wow. on earth today than the Iranians. So yeah, so you what and I the, see the evil, and you, and you say, hey. Last thing we want to do is pump billions of dollars into that evil government. The last thing we want to do is, is fund that evil government's research into ballistic missiles and nuclear arms. Yeah. Uh, President Obama had a very different view. He said, they're reasonable. They're like us. So if they're mad at us, we must have done something wrong. Let's right the wrongs we've done to Iran, and then they'll no longer have a reason to hate us. If you, if you, if you look at human history, it's that mistake, that, mm-hmm. that, that fallacy, that foolishness, that empowers and enables evil to march in this world, evil to succeed in this world. Yeah. And what I'm encouraged by is at the very minimum, this new administration sees Israel as a friend and Iran as an enemy. Mm. We're already light years ahead of where we were. Yeah, yeah. Now, and if you're just joining us, folks, we have David Brog as, as our special guest today, and his book is Reclaiming Israel's History, Roots, Rights, and the Struggle for Peace. Now, David, what what can uh, President Trump do, and and uh, and and what about Prime Minister Netanyahu? Um, you know, I'm 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 going to tell you, I am bothered by the idea that because uh, there are some settlements being built, or because uh, Israelis uh, defend themselves, and and the way they defend themselves is that they put themselves at personal risk to make certain that no innocents are killed, the exact opposite of what uh, the Arab combatants do, exact opposite. I'm really bothered by that. So what can these two men do to, um, to, 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 to change the dynamic uh, from uh, the path that uh, Barack Obama uh, had the relationship on? 
Well, I, I think what they can do is, is similar to what we just discussed, which is they can understand that while there are some wonderful uh, Palestinian individuals, mm-hmm. their government and, and their majorities don't recognize a Jewish connection to the land of Israel, don't recognize Jewish rights in the land of Israel, and are not interested in, 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 in letting Jews have their own state in the Middle East. They're not interested in a two-state solution. They're not interested in living side-by-side with, with the Israelis in peace. And so given that, what they need to do is not embark upon this path of peace with this foolish idea that we're all the same and we all want the same. And if only a decent offer is made to the Palestinians, they'll drop their suicide bomb vests and, and, and embrace peace and enterprise. Like we discussed at the beginning, that's been tried five times. Mm-hmm. Five times Israel's offered them a state. Five times they've rejected it, often quite violently. So before we embark down this path again, because when you embark down these paths, you don't know where it goes. The peace process under Bill Clinton in 1999 and 2000, Israel offered the Palestinians a state in the West Bank, Gaza, half of Jerusalem. The Palestinians not only turned it down, but they turned it down with a violent wave of suicide bombings called the Mm. Second Intifada. that killed over 1,000 Israelis and maimed and mangled 3,000 more. Now, quick question, though. Since they built that wall, how many have happened? Oh, since they built that wall, the, the rate of terror attacks in Israel has plummeted. Mm-hmm. That, 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 you know, people <laughs> get that wrong, too. It, yeah. People think Israel built that wall because they wanted to somehow mess with the Palestinians, let's make their lives more bitter. It's the opposite. There was an open border between mm-hmm. the West Bank and Israel. It was more open than the border between Canada and the U.S., and the Israelis liked it that way because they thought by letting Palestinians come over and work with us, and Palestinians got salaries in Israel that... that were far higher than any salaries mm-hmm. in the rest of the Arab world. There was peace, prosperity. Yeah. But and it, more equality. Uh, uh, Muslims are treated better in Israel by Jewish people than they're treated by the, uh, the Muslims in their own countries. I mean, uh, there's an Arab on the Supreme Court. Freest Arabs in the Middle East, without yeah. any doubt, are the Arab citizens of the Jewish state. Now, Only I'll, Arabs in the Middle East that get to vote for, serve in, and criticize their government mm-hmm. without having to fear for their freedom or their lives. Yeah. Only the Arab citizens of the Jewish state. Yeah. Now, last minute before the top of the uh, hour news break, so uh, your, your, your final thought, and then how can folks get a hold of you and your book? So, final thought is um, we all dream of peace. Uh, there's not, I have not met an Israeli mother or father who wants to send their, their sons and, daughter, and daughters in Israel uh, off to war. We all dream of peace, but when we pursue it without recognizing the reality, often what Israel gets instead is, is restaurants and cafes being blown up by mm-hmm. terror. So before we do this again, let's just pause and see. Has this leadership of the Palestinians accepted the Jewish connection and Jewish rights to the land, or are they still denying it and funding terror? If they're still denying it and funding terror, we need to proceed with caution. Okay. Um, and now, uh, and I apologize. We are right at the <laughs> at the news break. And uh, now, could would you mind holding on for maybe five minutes into the first hour? Be my pleasure. Okay, great. All right, we're going to take our top of the hour break, folks, and we will be right back with David Brog, a man and his microphone. Brother Craig. Shamati shed a vid in him, a cold plain, le Elohim, the sheata sonnet of him, Yatua. A cold agumu mystery. 
Virginia, your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, coming back at you live here on Richmond's Big Dog Radio Program, The Really Real Deal. And uh, folks, this is really, really radio for the Christian, conservative, constitutional, capitalistic coalition. And uh, as we listen to that beautiful little eight-year-old girl, uh, Rima, uh, singing Leonard Cohen's um, Hallelujah. And uh, before the break, that version you heard in Hebrew was actually the Israeli Defense Forces. Uh, I'm not sure if it's a band or a choir, but I mean, really, really beautiful. And uh, I just want to thank you all for coming back or staying with us. And uh, we also we want to thank our wonderful guest today. Uh, David Brog has actually stayed over. Now, this is rare. We normally, our, our, our interviews end at the top of the hour, but uh, it's just been so fascinating. And thank you so much for staying over. Oh, thank you, Brother Craig. I'm honored. Yeah. And, uh, and folks, you guys, you got to get this book. I'm telling you, Reclaiming Israel's History. And I'm telling you now, you all know I get, I literally, and this is not an exaggeration, thousands of books. Books come in the mail all the time. Sometimes we get them by the box full, okay? Uh, I'm telling you, I could not put this book down. This is because I know the, uh, a good bit of the history, obviously nowhere near what our guest knows, but I'm, I'm very familiar with it. And I just I learned so much that I did not know. And, uh, and for that, David, I want to thank you. Uh, thank you. I uh, re- really appreciate that, brother, and it's just uh... Uh, been a great pleasure to be on with you and, and to be able to discuss this topic. Uh, uh, we need we need to teach this history even in our own circles, even, yes. to, even in conservative circles. Uh, we need to know it because it's the only way we can really defend Israel. Right, right. And in and, defending uh, Israel, we're defending ourselves because it's what they hate are uh, is is the Judeo Christian ethic. You know, we're joined at the hip. That's exactly right. Show me someone who hates Israel, I'll show you someone who hates America yes. and, and who hates the Judeo-Christian civilization that's, that, that, that is the foundation of our country. Yeah, yeah. You know, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there also is liberty. And they, they hate the idea of liberty, that how dare you think that but just because you were born that there's some God out there that said you have rights and that you're free and that I can't do to you what I want. That's their attitude. Well, that's right. That's right. You mentioned it earlier. It's it's this it's this seeing yourself as a god. This yes. human tendency to see ourselves as gods that 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 constantly leads us down these dangerous dangerous paths. Yeah, yeah. The first commandment and the tenth commandment. Okay. Amen. Yeah, Amen. they're they're like bookends, and um, you, you you just can't get away from it. Very appropriate conversation here as we uh, go into resurrection. 
Sunday. And uh, but now I wanted I wanted you to stay over for the top of the hour because I did not want to rush you as you gave your closing and 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 told people uh, how to get a hold of you and your book. So go right ahead. Well, I appreciate that. Just just a quick note I can't resist, but you played Leonard Cohen both in Hebrew and in English. Yes. The song Hallelujah, a beautiful <laughs> song. Few people know this. Leonard Cohen, uh, after the 1973 Yom Kippur War, when Egypt and Syria attacked Israel, tried to destroy Israel on Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the Jewish year in 1973. They knew all the Israeli soldiers would be home going to synagogue. They attacked Israel somehow survived that war, like it survives its many wars, miraculously. Mm-hmm. Leonard Cohen was in Greece at the time, flew to Israel to sing for the troops. So when we lost Leonard Cohen, we not only lost a beautiful singer-songwriter, we, we lost a, a friend of Israel. Wow. Um, now, my, my book is Reclaiming Israel's History. Uh, best place for it, uh, Amazon.com, uh, BarnesandNoble.com. We've got the hardback, the Kindle, the Audible. we got all the forms. And the best way to reach me is through Christians United for Israel, uh, the organization I've had the privilege of, of working for and building with uh, a wonderful man named Pastor John Hagee. And, uh, oh, our website wow, is- yeah. We interviewed him when his uh, Four Blood Moons book came out. Oh. Great, great man. 28th Hagee to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's a, he's, he's a wonderful, <laughs> and, and he's one of these people, the more you get to know John Hagee, the more you love this man. Oh, the privilege yes. to work by his side. Yes. Uh, You're so we, a blessed man. <laughs> I, well, I am. I am. I am. We built an organization called Christians United for Israel. It's the largest pro-Israel organization in America. And our website is cufi.org, C-U-F-I for Christians United for Israel.org. If you're not already there, sign up, uh, go to the website, give us your email address. It's all. Give us your email address, we'll let you know when you can take action to defend Israel. We make it easy for you. We send out action alerts where if you click a button, you're sending an email to the White House, your senator, your congressman, mm-hmm. and uh, defending the state of Israel, and you can reach me through that website and reach us through that website. Oh, great, great. So, yeah, we, we just, I mean, this, this has really been great. And uh, we just wish you well uh, with uh, continuing, continuing your book tour. Uh, please give Pastor Hagee our, our best regards. I will. Yeah, yeah. And uh, my wife and I, we, as a matter of fact, we have a lot of his uh, sermons. We, we record them. If, if, so if we can't watch it, we can watch it at our leisure. Yeah, <laughs> we're big fans. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. And he's a funny guy. <laughs> that's what's great. People see, people see him as some sort of fire and brimstone preacher. Well, he can preach and he can be hot, but he's a man with, with, with just with a heart of love and humor, yes. and it's a joy. It's yeah. a joy. Yeah, it is. It is. And, uh, you know, and I mean, I, I bring the fire and brimstone a little yeah. bit too, but I try to be funny. And, you know, you want to be multifaceted. God put so much in, in into his children and you know right. those who would detract against us would uh take maybe what they think what they think is is our weakness and try to highlight that but you know that's right no there's a lot in this world we've got to hold the line we've got we've got to we've got to you know, teach and preach with strength and clarity yes uh but like you say uh god's also given us a heart that loves and uh and, uh, and a soul that loves to laugh. So it's good Amen. to combine them. Amen, brother. You be blessed. Have a very, very uh, blessed and, uh, and a sacred uh, res- resurrection uh, Sunday. Th- thank you, Brother Craig. It's been a real, real pleasure to talk to you. I appreciate it. Okay. All right. Thanks again. Now, next time you write another book, you got to come back. 
you got a deal, my friend. All right. Take care. Bless you. Bye-bye. All right. Well, all right, Virginia, we're going to take our quarter after the hour break. The number here, if you would like to call in and participate in today's program, 804-454-1366 is the number, 804-454-1366. A man and his microphone, Brother Craig. Twas grace that Hello, Virginia. Brother Craig here with a little message about giving out of the abundance that God has blessed you with. If this great nation is going to be saved, then we in the Christian Conservative Constitutional Coalition have to be in the vanguard. There are so many brave and God-fearing groups and individuals engaged in the battle of this rendezvous with destiny. There are social welfare groups like the Salvation Army at SalvationArmyUSA.org. Military groups like Special Operations Wounded Warriors at SOWWCharity.com. Christian groups like the Virginia Christian Alliance at VAChristian.org and SaltAndLightCouncil.org. And there's also churches and others, many, many very worthy groups out here doing the Lord's work. So we support not only our own group, the FirstAmendmentInc.com, which keeps us on the air. But the main thing for you, the listener, is to give. Give somewhere, give generously, and give often. And give in the measure that God has given to you. Thank you, Virginia, and God bless you.
Welcome back to the program, Virginia. Your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, here on the Big Dog Radio Program here in the state of Virginia. The really real deal. And uh, that was Rise Again by Dallas Home. A beautiful, beautiful song. And uh, if our good friend Larry is listening, I want to thank you, Larry, for recommending uh, that we play that uh, that song. Uh, really, really appropriate here. Uh, a day before Resurrection Sunday. And uh, talk about the really real deal. <laughs> I mean, that is the really real deal. I mean, it just it doesn't get any more real. And you know, and I'm always talking about uh, on this day in history or on this week in history, what happened. Well, wh- name a historical event more significant than finding the tomb of Jesus empty three days after his 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 body was put there you you just can't you there there is i mean folks even even the birth i mean well i guess you could make a case that they're equally important but from a historical standpoint if you don't have an empty tomb then the birth of jesus was just another baby okay and who just happened to grow up to have an extraordinary life okay but it's uh, the, the, the fact of the empty tomb means that it's more than just uh, an extraordinary or uh, quote unquote ordinary human being, which is the way uh, the, the Islamic world uh, styles it is that uh, Jesus was just a prophet. OK, so and it's not on, not only that, they also claim uh, that he's a Muslim prophet. OK, and that he's going to come back and tell everyone that he's a Muslim. And if you're not a Muslim. Well, you know, you, then these other Muslims, they get to cut your head off. I mean, how irreverent uh, can a, a so-called religion be? Uh, this, this, you talk about a man of peace. I mean, even while, when he was taken, he would not even allow uh, any of his disciples to defend him. He wouldn't even allow, I mean, a, a centurion got his ear cut in defense of Jesus, and Jesus says, put that sword away, and he reaches up and heals the man, the man's ear. I mean, talk about a man of peace, okay? It's, um, I mean, and contrast that with the, the picture of humanity uh, prior to uh, the advent of God lowering himself down to be born of a virgin through the Holy Spirit and to dwell 33 years on this earth and to go through all of all of uh, what Jesus had to go through. Contrast that, which, uh, and, and folks, that culminates in what we observe yesterday. And I say observe uh, because maybe celebrate is, is the wrong word for Good Friday. But we observe Good Friday, okay? And and I think a lot of us as Christians, and this is not a, a knock on us as Christians, okay? This is not a knock. This is an observation. And uh, I'd be interested to get your take, okay? 804-454-1366 is the number, 804-454-1366. We, we actually, we welcome your take. But it's, it seems to me that we we live in a world, and I'm speaking of us, us in the Christian conservative constitutional capitalistic coalition okay uh we live in a kind of a easter world where we're happy that we have god's grace 
through his son Jesus. Mentally, we live in that world, but we actually live in a world that's more governed by what happened on Good Friday, okay? A, a world where, um, you know, there is, there is evil, okay? And the evil was so great that when Jesus took that sin and that evil upon himself to stand in for us, the sun refused to shine on him, okay? The sun refused to shine on him. And, and men do evil. I mean, Shakespeare even wrote, the evil that men do lives after them. The good is oft interred with their bones. And so this, this is really an appropriate time for us to, to really think about the good we do versus the evil we do or the sin, sin meaning just error. I mean, don't, don't think of sin as, you, you know, it's like you, the hatchet man is saying you're the worst thing. I mean, we're all sinners. We all live in error. And, yes, sometimes that error does lead to great evil. Uh, sometimes that error, sin, error, interchangeable words, uh, you know, it, it, it can lead to things that just build upon themselves. And before you know it, you have a destroyed life. And but the beauty of Easter is that you, too, can rise again. You, too, can be reborn. And it's just there's an open invitation. And that open invitation is not just at Easter, but that open invitation is there 24 hours a day. Okay, and uh, and you know, and a beautiful thing. I remember the uh, interview we did with uh, Noni uh, Darwish a few a few weeks ago. Uh, the, the the former Muslim woman who was born in Egypt and her father uh, was was killed in one of the Israeli wars. He was a uh, right hand man to President Nasser, and and the president came to her home. And she remind you now, she was a six year old girl, right? and he wanted to know. Who, which one of you children is going to avenge your father's death? Who wants to go out and kill Jews? All right. And so this, this girl lived in fear right on up through womanhood and didn't come to America until she was 30. And she's sitting channel surfing one day and comes across a TV preacher. Okay. Now, how many of us like to marginalize TV preachers? Okay. A lot of people do. And I, I guess there are some that are what you might call pulpit pimps, okay? But they're not all pulpit pimps, okay? But even the pulpit pimps, God allows them to pimp folks because you never know if they're at least reciting the word of God. Now, the, whether they believe it or not, that's on them. But they're up there reciting it. And so to the person listening viewing, observing, taking it in, it's an open invitation. It's an open invitation, okay? And we need to be mindful that the words of Jesus as he actually, his, the final words spoken were forgive, or the final request, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. That was, that was the final request, not the final words spoken. The final words spoken were, it is finished. And those words were spoken right before he gave his spirit up out of the body that hanged there 
on that cross. And so it's just, you know, something to think about, something to think about, okay? And um, we pray that many, and, and as I've alluded to earlier in the program, I know, and I know this because I've been on the air, this is my ninth year on the air, and, you know, while I'm not a preacher or a pastor, you know, I am a watchman on the wall, I am a layman, and uh, so, I mean, and then, of course, I have my wonderful Mrs. Hatchet. If I ever get a Bible verse wrong, I'm going to hear about it when I get home. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> and she always corrects me in the spirit of love. All right. And, uh, but we, 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 we try to do our part here on the really real deal. And, and as I was saying earlier, it doesn't get any more real than, than this. You know, it just, you know, we just try to deal in truth. No matter what, whether we're dealing in Christian faith or conservative politics or constitutionalism or the, the beauty of the free enterprise, capitalistic system, free, fair exchange, we, we, the, the commonality is that we deal in truth and that that truth is informed by Christian faith. Okay, And it's not that I'm smarter or better. I just I submit myself. And I try, and it is, you know, being a, a, a human, it's, it's not, you know, it's, 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 it's not something that comes natural. It's something that we work at, you know. Now, Jesus, on the other hand, okay, I mean, at one, at one point, he's praying, Oh, my Father, and this is in Matthew chapter 26, Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But in the same verse, the obedient son in him says, and that's, that's, the hum, that's the man, the, the human part of him, let this cup pass. The obedient son says, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And then, of course, later on, the God in him says, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Really uh, powerful, powerful Powerful. I mean, you can't get any more powerful testimony than the testimony of Jesus himself. Okay. And just, and so we just, something to think about as we wind down uh, and, and go towards our final half hour of the program. Uh, we just, we want to wrap ourselves around this faith. We want to rekindle this faith and try to do as much good as we can. Um, we know that there is none really good but the Father, as, as Jesus said, and, and this is something that perplexes me. <laughs> Someone said to Jesus, you're a good man, and he replies, talk about humility, my goodness. Why sayest thou that I am good? Knowest not thou that there is none good save the Father? I mean, you talk about powerful. That's powerful. So, we're going to take our bottom-of-the-hour break. Again, the number, if you'd like to participate in the final 30 minutes of the program, 804-454-1366, 454-1366. A man and his microphone. Brother Craig. Elohim, 
Program Virginia, your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, with a little bit of, uh, again, Alleluia, uh, Leonard Cohen, uh, that version, of course, by the Israeli Defense Forces. Uh, final 30 minutes of the program, 804-454-1366 is the number, 804-454-1366. And, uh, Hey, it's been a really, really, I uh, just can't get over how well the interview with David Brog went. I mean, that talk, that was really, really uh, fantastic. And uh, I'm, I'm going to finish that book. It was a really, really good book and I highly, highly uh, recommend it. Now, if you would like to contact us at the program, i uh, give you a couple of ways. Uh, you could always just hit me up on Facebook. And uh, as a matter of fact, I have my Facebook up right now. So if you happen to be uh, viewing the program uh, on your computer, you can just you know go to Facebook, shoot us a message. Or my email is craig at thefirstamendmentinc.com. That's all spelled out, T-H-E-F-I-R-S-T, amendment, as in the Constitution. You know I'm president of the First Amendment, Inc., uh, so the first amendment inc inc dot com and uh, you can comment on the program or you can invite your friendly neighborhood hatchet man brother Craig to come out to your event or your group to uh, speak. Uh, we always are very very honored to uh, be able to do that. As a matter of fact, uh, just a little over a week ago, I was blessed and really honored to uh, moderate one of the governor's debates. And uh, now I understand there was another governor's debate. Uh, this time, Ed Gillespie decided to show up. <laughs> I don't know why he didn't show up for for mine. Okay, now I don't. I just I'm just throwing it out there, folks. I don't know why. Nor will he come on this radio program. I don't know why. Okay, now if you when you see Ed, you you ask Ed. Okay, Ed, why won't you go and be interviewed with your friendly, friendly, friendly? Neighborhood Hatchet Man, Brother Craig, okay? And uh, <laughs> I don't know why, folks, okay, but Ed Gillespie will not come and be interviewed by the Hatchet Man, okay? And I'm telling you, I've done uh, hundreds. I've done literally hundreds of interviews, okay? And, uh, and I am a, a, a tough but fair interviewer, okay? And, uh, and also another thing Ed will not do, is Ed will not participate in the uh, debate series that I proposed on live on the air, which would be different from the on stage, the on stage uh, debates. They're really not debates. They're more like joint press conferences. These the people that put these things on, they don't want a give and take, or you know, they don't want a Lincoln Douglas style debate. Okay, they really don't. They want something very controlled. And uh, you're basically just asking questions and you, you're answering the question. You're not going at each other. And that's, that's not a debate, okay? 
And so, and also you have to share the stage with uh, three people. Now, what I'm proposing is one-on-one debates because come fall in the general election, it's going to be one-on-one, all right? And it's going to be either Dr. Ralph Northam or Tom Periello. And now the phrase I coined for the debate that I did was Dr. Tom, uh, <laughs> let, me, let me get this thing straight, Dr. Tom Perry, Perry Northam, yeah, Dr. Tom Perry Northam, because there's really no difference between the two of them. They are in favor of everything that the coalition of evil is in favor of, and they're against everything that the Christian conservative constitutional coalition is in favor of. So there's no difference between them. But my feeling is that the Democrats are going to try to push Tom Perriello. Uh, as a matter, matter of fact, John Podesta, Hillary's hitman, uh, he wrote an article saying that they needed Perriello because he's, listen to this now, he's younger, more energetic, and he represents the future, right? Think about that. Younger, you know, does the name Barack Obama ring a bell? See, this is, you know, and then when they tried the old hag Hillary, they didn't have the same outcome. So they don't want another old hag. They want young, energetic, okay, someone that can put the lie over on the people, all right? This is, this is what they want. Now, on the uh, Republican side, you have, you have uh, just the simple fact of, you know, nothing against the, uh, the other two gentlemen I've not endorsed, okay, but I'm just an observer, and I'm a very astute observer, okay? You have two baby boomers, and you have a genera- Generation X member, a member of my generation, okay? And I'm not picking Corey Stewart because he's my generation. I'm just stating the facts. Corey is younger, more energetic. So what are we going to do? All right, we're going to have, you know, the uh, the old guy with the old ideas who they're going to label a lobbyist. He's going to label he defended Enron. They're going to label he defended Big Tobacco. Okay, so, I mean, what? What What do we want? Or do we? And a guy that's never, ever, ever won an election. Or a guy like Corey Stewart, who not only has never lost an election, but has won four times in hostile territory without becoming a rhino. Now, typically the way Republicans win in hostile territory is they have to kowtow to the uh, portion of the electorate that is Democrat. And so, Frank Wagner, you got the exact same thing. Frank Wagner has never lost an election. Frank Wagner wins in hostile territory. Now, granted, his territory being Virginia Beach and Norfolk is nowhere near as hostile as Corey Stewart's territory being in Prince William County. Nowhere near. Okay, but let's be fair to Frank. See, and this is what I'm saying to Ed Gillespie and his people. I am fair, okay? I am fair. I don't pick sides. I speak truth, all right? And some people can handle the truth. Some people cannot handle the truth. And so I'm, I'm being fair to uh, Senator Frank Wagner and Corey Stewart. They Both of those gentlemen, they've never lost an election. They've won multiple, multiple elections. They've won elections in areas that Barack Obama won, areas that Hillary Clinton won, okay? And Ed Gillespie has never won anything. And the Joker won't come on my program. The Joker won't come on and debate one-on-one. I want 
one-on-one debates, not all three at the same time. I want Ed Gillespie up against uh, Corey Stewart, and then I want Ed Gillespie up against Frank Wagner, and then I want Corey Stewart up against Frank Wagner. Now, Corey and Frank have agreed. Ed won't agree. What's up with that? What's up? And then I'm the bad guy. Okay, I'm I'm the bad guy. I hear whisperings coming back to me. The hatchet man needs to lay off of Ed because Ed's probably going to win and I'm hurting Ed in the fall. No, I'm going to pimp slap that joker because you are not going to win until you win. Okay, I'm not going to anticipate who's going to win. I'm going to be fair. I'm going to be fair to Ed Gillespie. I'm going to be fair to Corey Stewart. I'm going to be fair to Frank Wagner. The winner will be the winner. The election is in June. It's not in April. And it's not to be decided by people in smoke-filled rooms. It's not. And let's be grown men about this thing. Let's take the call. Welcome to the program. And if someone else wants to call, and I hope someone out there that's a part of uh, the Gillespie's campaign since Ed won't call, maybe one of these jokers that work for him will call. 804-454-1366. You're on live with the Hatchet Man. Hello, Mr. Hatchet Man. How are you this morning? I am. I'm, not only am I fantastic, it's been a beautiful, serene, quiet, thoughtful uh, Resurrection Day program, but I'm hot now. <laughs> well, I have an answer for you. The reason why Ed Gillespie will not come on your show. Oh, what's what's up with that? The spirit of fear mm-hmm. has overtaken him. And the, the Bible says, says a lot. Give us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. He will not come on your show because the man is afraid. Mm-hmm. And you know something? You, that's 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 a that's a good thought because I remember two years ago when he ran against um, Senator Warner. He would not attack Senator Warner where he was most vulnerable. All all Ed had to do to win that election was go for the jugular. If he had went at him with with his bare hands to metaphorically rip his throat out, he would have won the election because Warner is the richest senator in the unit. And you know the Senate Club. Uh, that's a pretty rich club. A hundred uh, multimillionaires. There are no poor senators. None, not one. There's not one senator of the 100 that's not a millionaire. So you're talking about a very rich club. And for Senator Mark Warner of Virginia to be the richest senator, and he's not an old man, so he's not had a long time to uh, build his money up, nor did he have a, uh, a fortune prior to getting into politics. The guy was a staffer for Senator Chris Dodd in Connecticut, and when the uh, government gave away free cell phone licenses back when the cell phone industry was in its infancy, um, Warner got some of those free licenses, and he parlayed that into a multi-multi-hundred-million-dollar fortune. And literally, the guy's closing in on being a billionaire. He's worth several hundred million dollars, and he's not invented anything. He got a government hookup, which is today what he did is illegal. But back then, it was not illegal. It was immoral. It was yeah. wrong, but it was not illegal. And Ed well, Gillespie, trying, 
I know you've been trying to get uh, Mr. Gillespie on for quite some time. I've yes. been listening to you. Yes. And uh, I just deduced that, well, the man is just absolutely afraid. And if he's afraid, maybe he should find another line of work. Exactly. Because, I mean, in the times we live in, we and the Christian conservative constitutional capitalistic coalition, we, we, there's only so much we can do to fight this coalition of evil. Right. We elect right. people and we send them. This is what a republic is. Your republic is based on representation. You send yeah. your representative, and he has to fight. He has to carry the water. Yeah. He has to well, stop Craig, bad I legislation. Just to a, I just want to make a quick call to you. i got to go to the park and share the gospel. <laughs> okay. Well, so God you bless you. Day and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, now. God bless uh, you. Bye-bye. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to calm on down here. We're going to take our final break of the day, and maybe we can get some more uh, callers to call in and tell us why uh, Ed Gillespie won't come on the ra- the radio program, The Really Real Deal, uh, and, and speak to you, my audience, in the Christian, conservative, constitutional, capitalistic coalition. We will be right back. A man and his microphone. Brother Craig. I was taking a trip on a plane the other day Just wishing that I could get out When the man next to me saw the book in my hand And asked me what it was about So I settled back in my seat A bestseller, I said A history and mystery in one Then I opened up the book and began to read From Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John He was born of a virgin one holy night In the little town of Bethlehem Hello, Virginia. Brother Craig here with a little message about giving out of the abundance that God has blessed you with. If this great nation is going to be saved, then we in the Christian Conservative Constitutional Coalition have to be in the vanguard. There are so many brave and God-fearing groups and individuals engaged in the battle of this rendezvous with destiny. There are social welfare groups like the Salvation Army at SalvationArmyUSA.org. Military groups like Special Operations Wounded Warriors at SOWWCharity.com. Christian groups like the Virginia Christian Alliance at VAChristian.org and SaltAndLightCouncil.org. And there's also churches and others, many, many very worthy groups out here doing the Lord's work. So we support not only our own group, thefirstamendmentinc.com, which keeps us on the air, but the main thing for you, the listener, is to give. Give somewhere, give generously, and give often. And give in the measure that God has given to you. Thank you, Virginia, and God bless you.
a new book that's a bible he said and i've heard it all before i've tried religion it's shame and guilt and i don't need it anymore it's superstition a made out tales just to help the weak to survive well, let me read it again i said listen closely this is gonna change your life he was born of a virgin one holy night in the little town of bethlehem Welcome back to the program, Virginia. Your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig. Our final, uh, f- actually not 15 minutes, our final 10 minutes of the program as we listen to David Phelps's uh, The End of the Beginning. And uh, we want to welcome Larry to the program. And Larry, what's on your mind there, my friend? Brother Craig, you're rolling through the airwaves like a bunch of Roman centurions on chariots today. <laughs> Thank you, bro. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate that. And uh, well, uh, my guest David Brog, he did all the hard work, and my part's kind of easy. Yeah. So what's exactly. on you? I just wanted to make a comment. I was very impressed the other night with State Senator Frank Wagner. His um, his Naval Academy education, as well mm-hmm. as his discipline from a wrestler, came out, and I think that he uh, he made a, a lot of good points, and also the way he carried himself. So I was very impressed with him. You know, I was impressed with him also. You know, Larry, I was uh, blessed uh, to be the moderator of the previous debate, the the one that uh, absentee Ed skipped out on. Okay, and um, yes, sir. so you know, I was I I. I even when I put to the uh, the two gentlemen that were there, Corey Stewart and uh, Frank Wagner, uh, a question about Christian faith, okay, and how would they, how does Christian faith inform, uh, as as we talk about all the time on this on this program, that our Christian faith informs our conservatism, our constitutionalism, our our view of the capitalistic free enterprise system, and uh, they they both had some very very uh, good things to say, and and we close the program out. I asked them both if they would choose if they if they uh, got sick and had to drop out, and they had to endorse either uh, Ed Gillespie or endorse the opponent on the stage. Uh, would they give a one minute TV commercial? I'm telling you, Larry, they both did it, and they both knocked it out of the park. I mean, I was really, really. I was genuinely impressed, okay, uh, with with both of them. And, uh, Senator, are you still there, Larry? Yes, sir. I'm listening to you. It's a little windy out here. Oh, okay, yeah, because I was hearing the wind, and then the wind stopped all of a sudden. Okay. Thought we might. I know yes, you're way out in my western outpost in Louisa. But, uh, but anyway, yes, sir. yeah, I was just I was just very, uh, very, very impressed. Now, I'm, I uh, regret that I had. Uh, I missed the uh, most recent debate. I, I wish I was able to see it. But uh, what what are your what are your thoughts on the three? Uh, give me a real, and you have to make this real quick. Uh, your thoughts on each of the the gentlemen 
uh, Gillespie uh, and and uh, and Wagner and Stewart, and they're I think in a three way. I think if all three of them stay in it to the end, Gillespie wins by default with less than fifty percent. That's that's my thought. Okay, not that I, I I want that to happen, but that's my thought. And then my thought is that he is probably the only one that will go up against uh, Dr. Tom Perry Northam and lose, okay, just like he lost against um, Warner. Now, he lost in a year when Republicans won in Maryland, Massachusetts, and Illinois, but he couldn't pull it out in Virginia, and they pat him on the back because he got close. Give me a break, okay? But uh, so handicap this thing if – do you think either Wagner or Stewart needs to get out and that and one on one, maybe they would uh, be able to to uh, salvage this uh, race so that in the fall we have a, a a chance to win by doing what Trump did nationally, which is reshuffle the electoral deck. Because if it stays like it is, Democrat wins, Republican loses. That's the way I see it. Well, I think you've hit the nail on the head now. One thing I did notice, uh, Corey Stewart is starting to pull away with the evangelicals, and unfortunately, the evangelicals for the last five or six years in this state, they haven't had anybody to really carry the water for them. But mm-hmm. I, will, I will say this. I think uh, Mr. Stewart and Mr. Wagner, I think that they're going to be laying the foundation for future runs. That's what I see, because both of those men are too sharp, too smart, too educated, and too qualified just to be well, with me I mean, on the fourth string. Wagner's up in age. Now, Stewart is in his 40s. Wagner is in his 60s. So, I mean, I, I, I don't see that now. I'm not accusing Senator Wagner, but I've heard rumblings that he got in it to make sure – Ed didn't have to reach 50% because three-way in a three-way race that uh, all Ed needs is, you know, in the, in the forties, you know, 40% can win it. Um, You know, if the other two split 60 up, if they are like both in the thirties, Ed wins it. Now, again, I'm not accusing. I like Senator Wagner. That's not an accusation. Uh, I'm, and again, I am a, an astute political observer. Okay. And elections boil down to mathematics. It's just, you know, I've been saying it for years, okay? And this is why I'm able to predict a lot of these things where a lot of other folks are left dumbfounded after the fact. I'm able to predict things way ahead of time, okay? It's, this is not really, exactly. it's not rocket science if you take emotion out of it, okay? If you just, yes. do, if you just do an analysis, historical analysis, uh, the current trends, and what each man brings to the table in truth, not what you want, but in truth, and you take emotion out of it, then all of a sudden it's not rocket science. It's mathematics. It becomes a math equation. Okay? So, but last word, Larry. I got a roll, brother. And look, um, to you and all the other listeners, uh, I'm going to say this again because I opened up with this. Uh, Fairmount Christian Church is having sunrise service at 6.30 a.m., and it's located on Creighton Road uh, right West of 295, real easy to get to, 630. Uh, so if you have in your 11 o'clock service at your regular church and you'd like to do a sunrise service, we welcome you to come to Fairmount Christian Church. So with that Thank said, you, brother, all right, any, any, any last words, brother? 
Uh, I'm just going to say, via Dios for you to go or walk with God. All right. God bless you, brother. And Lutz, thank you for asking us to pull the music that we were able to pull. Oh, excellent. All right. God bless you, brother. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. Well, all right, Virginia. That's uh, going to wrap up another program here. We're in our final uh, 30 seconds here, and uh, we just want to uh, send to each and every one of you in the sound of my voice uh, to have a really, really uh, special, uh, sacred, and blessed uh, Resurrection Sunday and, a- and actually Resurrection Monday. And uh, so we just pray that God be with you and yours, and we're going to see you, God willing, right here next Saturday, same hatchet time, same hatchet station.